will be able to live safely on the earth. What a precious holy family. Right? So you'll find that this quality of the transmission of Daganawita, or the peace man, and I, I call him Daganawita because I'm so close to him. Daganawita is here. He is turning toward being a man, an adult. He is at the age where the great peace is acting in him, just as it did when he left the Great Lakes long ago and came out to begin the Confederacy. Now he's coming forward in his life in Northern California. Whether he's ever known or he's hidden away, his work will be all over the world. Someone in Mongolia would be aware, what is that? I think, oh, that's Sam. We have the good mind. Someone in Beijing. Someone in Indonesia, South Africa. Oh, here we are. So, you know, when did we stop uh, attacking women for wanting to vote? Why did, we, why did we decide it was all right? When did this happen? How did this happen? And then the capacity of the arguments between and among the genders, the, the male and female genders, and people declaring different concepts of identification of themselves and, and others. In that gender argument now, we come from tribal areas here where women were always held to be equal to men, but with different duties. So you're resting here on land where that's gone on for centuries and centuries. Does it mean women were always treated well? No. Does it mean men were always treated well? No. Children? No. Elders? No. But was there the tradition of moving toward that respect as best people could? Absolutely. So the Women's Rights Museum sits about 30 miles as the crow flies north of us. It was, the, the Seneca Rights Convention was conducted there because it was known by some of the women from this region, Rochester, New York, and over toward New York City, that this region could sustain this concept and consciousness and life. So I've said many times, I always thought, everyone thought that women and men were equal. It was just astonishing to me to go places and think, you don't know that, you weren't taught that. I'd think, I just don't understand. Right, so when Daganawita came through the regions, it's very singular that a grandmother and his mother recognized him somehow coming in a special way with a destiny for the human race and for all of creation. A woman, whether she was a blessed woman or a very difficult occult woman, occult meaning caught kind of in the middle worlds between heaven and earth, whatever the mixture of in Jakunsa say, she became a woman matriarchal figure, recognizing him and calling that forward. Until that was called forward, it is considered that Daganawita's work was not in existence. He had survived the attack on his life with the Mohawk or Mohican people, but his work was not in existence. Her recognition was, this is the one who was prophesied to come. And then Hiawatha had had experiences. There will be this great peace. There is someone I am supposed to meet. And then there will be this peace. He had had dreams and foreknowledge that, that this was his path. 
So we have the, t- the two women and then the one woman knowing this and then a man knowing this. But without that companionship, we wouldn't have the story. So all of us sit here and ask, what part of this are we? Well, we are part of the family that says, Sam is here again. A baby is here. Who is this child? Who is Harry and Meghan's son? Who is their daughter? And then we go, where are we going? I go, well, we're going with them. Where are they going? They're going to the good mind. And then we, we all know what to do. It doesn't become, what about this person's child? What about their child? They go, well, they're, we're, they're, all of the children are part of this. So once Daganawita was recognized and he and Hiawatha brought the Tadadaho in as the firekeeper and yoked the sense of the fall, that which was falling, they yoked that like an inner yoga back to heaven. There began the movement forward of the great peace including everyone. So in the tribes, the clan mothers gather, they pick a leader. There'll be a, a Sachem, a leader of, a, of a, one tribal group. I don't know how many there are now, 56 maybe. I don't know exactly. So the women will gather. If there's a man who is inadequate in his virtue, the women can gather and say he is inadequate to represent the tribe safely in the great peace and then they can ordain to have him removed and a different brother, father, husband, son brought in. A configuration like this allows us to not say, it's my child who's the one. It becomes the woman saying, who is the boy, the man who can take care of all of the women, all of the men, all of the children. It's not perfect, but when it comes into that place of being of the good mind, there's a movement of it causing something to happen that includes the tribe but goes into other tribes and becomes something universal. Okay, so this capacity as we come into a mature feminism on the earth is very important. So women find a way together with the good mind as the women of the early years of Daganawita did. And then that the men beside the women find this, the women beside the men, and then the men together come into an era where there's not war. And so, I mean, I, I'm aware of this happening out there. It came so close to not happening. I, I do believe if it weren't for certain beings on the earth, such as Twyla, that it would not have happened. And I, I think that we were so close to a really horrific violence in our own competitive devouring of everything um, almost like becoming rabid human beings. That, and I'm saying this out loud because a lot of people will listen to this different. Um, I spoke to my brother Peter this morning. I said, it's interesting when I talk about something, I will have somebody tell me, I listened to something you taught in 1991 and I used it for a lecture at the college. I'll say, okay, good. And I think I hope I was able to speak clearly about what was needed to be remembered and expressed. And um, I said, there's a woman writing a doctoral dissertation, and the main principle she's using is a talk I gave at the Keats House in London years ago. I said, so, so when I speak about this today, we came so close to a thermonuclear war 
just for the sheer gory hatred of one another. I go, well, we didn't do it, you know. We have the good mind. And there were several days earlier this year when we were so close. And I was so grateful to have had the extreme discipline of my teachers. I would not let my soul go into a fight which would not hold every single human being. I came very close to dying, and John and Blaine took the most remarkable care of me. And you know, I'm just one human being. I'm not important, and yet that one human being whom Twyla asked to represent this lived. And so I'm speaking of this because I know people, especially young people, were very confused this year. They could feel on every level the tension, the pettiness. I am so sorry that they are having a hard time finding adequate numbers of virtuous leaders. And so I say to them, you become those leaders and beings like me will not fail you whether I'm on the earth or I'm in the heavens. And many of these great ancestors who are not necessarily on the earth, they are available to you as you rise up in virtue, as ancestors of the human race beside you. The force of the world will stand with you. The rocks of Twyla and the stone people will stand with you so that the firmament of all of the boulders and the cliffs and the, you know, the mesas and the valleys and the rocks, they will show you, but you must become the virtuous great soul, saying, we of the good mind, not me of the good mind, we of the good mind. Then what happens when we go to that place of we is we start finding that there's a shared reciprocity of mystery. We don't exactly know where we're going. We're both moving from the present moment to the next moment together. We're of a holy family. And we have to be humble because we're receiving something where it's more important what happens to the other person than it is to us and yet also more important what happens to us than the other person. Do you need the jacket? Do I need the winter boots? Do I need the, the drink of water? Do you need the drink of water? It's never equal. So we have this idea of equality. We're all equal. I go, well, it's actually we're equal in dignity, but we're different instruments, like different notes of music. So. There's a quality where what we start feeling is, I can't feel my life force the next moment. Am I in danger? You always ask for protection. And then you ask yourself to be guided by these principles. I have many things which happen in my life which are sort of remarkable. Uh, I'll, we'll be driving someplace and there'll be a parking place. Not, not always, not always. And someone will think, well, how did that happen? And I'll go, well, I'm just sort of aligned where many of those things come together. And yet my life is quite humble. I have to walk with a cane. I'm aging in a different difficulty than most of the women in my family did. So I I'm, I'm walk like a 90-year-old woman, but I'm not really that old. 
So, but I'm fine. So people are like, what is going on with her? And I go, well, I'm right in the middle of the mystery, but so are you. And so what most people do is they go, I'm not going to let myself be. And so I speak of this because the planet right now has everybody in the mystery. Are we going to have a flood? Are the forests going to burn over by Yosemite? They can't. We can't lose those trees. I go, well, why not? We're, we're the ones destroying them. Well, but I want a big house, and I want this, and I want this, and I want this, but I want, I want Yosemite too. See, me, I want this, and I want to be safe. I go, you were conceived and born in a moment, and you will leave on, in a moment, and yet the whole thread of the weaving of God that you are is part of the great peace. Why wouldn't you want to be that? We go, well, because people haven't done that before. I go, yes, they have, just not at a critical mass that we remember. See, it's just not at a critical mass that we remember. So if you step forward following that quality of the great peace in yourself, you'll realize, wow, I feel almost unreal because I am like a breathing, moving representative of that ineffable grace, just as myself with other beings, we of the good mind. And then <clears throat> once you're gone from the earth, me, as we look back, we have the names of someone like the peacemaker or Twyla or Chief Shenandoah. Sometimes his last name is spelled with a K at the end, Shenandoah. <clears throat> but the Shenandoah River Valley was named for him. The Shenandoah River was named for him. You know, the song Shenandoah, I Love Your Daughter, is, is about his family. That story is about him and his daughter. So the quality of these various figures who are remembered is part of the touchstone of how we find our way. But most of us won't be remembered. So I turn to the Aborigines, and they have a very similar way that they follow. They follow the song lines. <clears throat> Where should we go to find water? And an old Aborigine can say, I follow the song lines of the kangaroo, and then the ones of this bird, and then the ones over there. And a non-native person might go, how did you know how to do that? And the man will say, well, it was easy. The, the thread of that map was everywhere so I could find my way, right? So you are part of the song line of the great peace. And then people won't necessarily know your name. We don't know the names of anyone but about eight people from that entire story. And yet this entire nation of the United States is more formed by their principles than it is from any other composite piece of what it is to be a human being. We are more Iroquois than we are anything else. So people are like, oh, I, I didn't know that. I go, well, we are. And so what do we do? Well, we ask the world to join the Confederacy. Oh, we have the good mind. Not like America's so great. I go, no, that's not really quite true. It's that we are to represent this principle for everyone. We know exactly how to do that. 
We, we, I'm just telling you, any American goes, I know how to do that. I go, okay. It's like being in kindergarten. You go, okay, children, sit down, get your crayons out. You know, What would you like to color? I go, it's the great piece. Children go, 80-year-olds go, I, I know how to do that. Why did we just not do that? I go, I don't know. We were very foolish. And so this era when so many qualities have been so comfortable of clean water and air and abilities for transportation and clothing and heating and cooling and work and communication. It's more important that we don't think that we've squandered it, but that we go, we've learned from it to mature enough to take care of it and sustain a, a blessed life on the earth for ourselves and for everyone and then be of that quality of the good mind. So you're going to feel beings like me for about eight months working really diligently with uh, places of world leaders in religions and nations where the incredible corruption that's out there right now, uh, sort of wheeling and dealing about things, is yoked back and tended by the firekeeper. Right, so I'm not the firekeeper, but I mean the principle of it is getting, say, leaders from around the world not to think of their constituents as commodities, but to be aware of their constituents as human beings, and that the material principles in the lives of all those human beings are to be cared for modestly, and that leaders are not to rule over or become wealthy in a predatory way, but to serve the good mind through their constituents. So there'll be a feeling of uh, beings around the world, different, I don't know, hidden saints and sages and mystics and publicly known spiritual figures where a lot of our work together will be like siblings of the good mind, working diligently because the climate is right at a tipping point. And so that'll be, I'm going to say, eight or ten months of, of that work. And so the, the mood of it will be a little bit up and down, but it's, it's in place now. It's adequately in place. And then I think the more you create sort of goodness and virtue and um, love and sweetness and beauty in your life, just the integrity of that sets a course for a pathway forward. Uh, like I'm looking at a beautiful tree here. So we could say, oh, a son-in-law is getting married. I think we'll plant a tree outside their little cabin they've built. Or we'll make a quilt for their child. Or we'll teach their child how to keep their self-respect if they're bullied at school. Not to be a victim, not to be a predator, but to find their way through the bullying. See, you're not just dealing with uh, innocent qualities, but you're bringing the quality of the good mind through to show that the entire human life can be addressed with beauty and virtue as a sort of signature of what it is to be a woman or a man or a person. And then the only difficulty of that is a lot of the prevailing um, pattern, it's called vasanas in South Asia or Hindu, Hindu and Jain and uh, South Buddhist Concepts, it means the tendencies we have. Someone will sit down and be very sloppy with their vasanas 
about ripping everyone to shreds. A lot of our media right now, whether it's uh, the press in print or um, online or in uh, television venues, or a lot of programming created now is excessively violent to get more and more aggressive attention, like, I want the attention of the 14-year-olds, or all the young people make a lot of money, I want them to watch this program, and I'll go, wow, my God, that is just so like unbelievably violent. So they're training for like Star Wars of who's going to do it. Well, Star Wars doesn't even adequately tell it. They're like, it's like um, if you pitted two, two horrific dinosaurs against one another to see which one would kill the other, young people are in training for who do I have to destroy like this at work or in my family to get the last bits of fresh water on the earth. And I go, well, you're not going to get it that way, but the water doesn't want you to have it anyway if that's who you're going to be. So you're going to suffer so abominably, and you're just turning into a monster, so let's just not do this. Like, we don't have to do this. But it made it hard to be compassionate because so much ugliness was present in the human race. It was just shockingly. My mother would be deeply ashamed of mankind. She would she'd just be just absolutely devastated that humanity was so ridiculous. So when you turn to beauty and to a virtuous application, the water is happy to nurture your body. The trees are blessed to be beside you. You are tender and strong as the human being beside all of creation. You are a moral example for every child on the earth. Then your only difficulty in this next maybe year is people are very accustomed to their violence. So they'll walk by you in a village or a city or a country road or a superhighway, and they'll think, oh, look at you, you're like so nobody. And you'll think, wow, there's that violence. And if you turn to wish for that person the blessing that they and you are of the good mind, they won't really know what happened or where it came from. But you will have given them the gift you yourself would have most wanted if you had fallen like they had. So we could say that the entire human race became the Tadadaho. About 80% of it did. I know really good people who'd say, well, you know, everybody's doing this. And I'd go, I'm not. Yeah, but you know, it's, I mean, you kind of have to if you want. I go, well, I don't really think that's the direction that's going to give us the answers you're looking for. And they'd be like, well, what do you think of this? I go, you can't get there this way. You can't just divide up the spoils and say, and then can't I also have heaven and be the best person I can be? I go, not really. You can be a great warrior, but your greatest warrior wouldn't kill anyone. They would have created a way so that everyone was protected. See, and then we go, whoa, then the whole energy starts to change. Mm -hmm. So, but even in that, you'll go out and realize, well, people are still messy, sloppy. They've created a very vast global modern ego about the meanest girl wins, the meanest guy tricks the other guys. I go, eh, it's really not that interesting. See, in consciousness, that's not really very interesting. So then people can't ever get your consciousness to be boring or 
you know, they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, where are you going? I go, oh, it's the most exciting thing in the universe. And they're like, well, I want to do that, but I don't want to lose all my power. I go, well, you're going to anyway, so you've already have. It's just not that interesting. And they're like, but wait, what do I do so I still am more important, at least in my own mind, than anybody else, or my brother-in-law thinks I am, or my boss, or I go, well, you're going to have to start letting part of that go and become, I love the word humble, more humble, more supple, more vulnerable, not vulnerable that you can be hurt, although you can, vulnerable that you can be touched, because it becomes we. So that critical mass of that movement of the personality of the global civilization, that's work for beings like me for about a year and a half. It's like uh, getting training for a marathon or training for a century in a bike race. You know, you, you aren't going to necessarily race against people. You go, I'm going to do a 100-mile bike ride or I'm going to do a 26-mile run. Or when I was young, I might run like uh, five miles up in Alaska in the villages. I went out to the edge of the villages, you know, on a summer day and... I might run, I'm not, I don't really have a runner's body, but I could run like five miles and then come back and then swim in the Yukon River. And so I could swim across the river, but I couldn't, couldn't run a marathon, right? And so, but the quality of the joy of just that exuberant life. So you just think, I'm going to simply live in beauty, in virtue. Oh, and then you'll all of a sudden have an experience. Oh, we of the good mind. And you realize, who is that there with me? Okay, so I'm going to say we're up to about 20% of the population that that has, it's been attained by about 20% of the population, the capacity that that's the direction. So it doesn't become your direction or my direction. It becomes like the direction of a global civilization, which includes all nations, all tribes, all individuals, men and women equal in dignity, different in duties or capacities in the biology. And then people go, oh, and then you start receiving your path. Oh my God, I'm receiving my path instead of the karma of a world war. Okay, so a lot of the suffering in the last year, two, three years has been, you would be receiving a path that wasn't really your path. So many, many people all over the world have been feeling that a lot has been like set against their will. All this is going on is just like, I'm not willing to do this, right? People were sort of co-opted to fall because someone was going to fall. And this is a great deal of what happened at the beginning of World Wars One and Two. There was a like a co-opting of the collective. You're, we're going this way. Somebody go, no, we're not. And there was the power when one falls down into, I'll call it evil, falls down into evil, it becomes thick with karma. So you'll, you'll watch somebody who becomes a criminal and they're just drunk on stealing or they're drunk on tricking and lying and stealing. And they're like, wow, this is so thick with myself. And then they just can't get over that, and then they talk somebody else into it, somebody else into it. And then they become like a, a team or a gang against something else. And eventually they have to learn the lesson and get up, but they don't realize that. But a being like me realizes and goes, you know, I'm, I don't really want to go down there with you. 
So why don't you come this way, not with me, but with your own path of getting up, you'll be so much happier. But uh, for a while, they're, they're just like a, you know, they're very argumentative and very violent. And so there was a lot of violence as all this went on. And a being like me had to be present with this. Is this really what mankind wants? Like, do I really have to just let mankind fall? If so, then for many young people who were focused on very virtuous lives, one would have to try to be protective of them and gear them toward living in wilderness areas and um, living kind of hidden, beneficial lives and the healing arts and maybe education, but very, like, kind of away from mankind. So many young people have been conflicted in recent years. They're, they're pulled in two directions. I really want to do this, but I'm sort of scared to death. I go, oh, you're pretty smart to be scared to death. It's been a nightmare out there. But every generation has its difficulties, but this one was the planet and kind of the global civilization or a sort of strange enslavement in, in consciousness in the material plane. So I think for any person who's between about 14 and 50, they will almost seem schizophrenic to their families or um, as if they're clear one day and then very upset the next day or confused the next day. And they were trying to say there are two things going on here. And I don't, I can't seem to get the world to get up and succeed. I don't know what's wrong with me. I go, there's nothing wrong with you. You just weren't taught in first grade of the good mind. You know, if, if enough kids had been taught that, they would have, they would have become that as a collective beyond all of us. And they would have taken on the world leaders, but they weren't taught that. But that transmission is present in them as of today. So they will tend to know, I don't want to destroy that country. I don't want that much of the glaciers used up. I'll use less water. I want to live this way. Or, Dad, we are going to get solar panels. I'm not, I don't want us to have a summer home. I want us to have a solar panel. It'll, it'll be a, like a shifting of the direction. And then each one of them will have their way of knowing what to do and then being empowered to do it, not by me, but by the heavens. And then that's the quality where the, that which was falling, the Tadadaho quality of the evil in mankind was gathering so much momentum of power. It, it would have been, become such a, we would have had such an ugly period for I don't even know how long, a long time. So you're, you're going to watch this dissonance where someone's mean to you, then they're nice to you, or you're exhausted walking on the street with people, and then you just keep having your own prayer be turning them toward that quality. We have the good mind. And then I'd like you to rest really deeply in the sense of how Twyla was with the stone people. The quality of the rock, my own experience is that the trees were losing their capacity to stand with humanity to be adequate for us to find our way. That even the, the bristlecone pines are infested with beetles right now. They're the oldest living uh, creatures on the earth. Uh, the cowrie are in distress. The sequoias are in distress. So we're, we're accustomed to knowing that they're there and just assuming that we will know what to do with these 1,000 to 4,000-year-old beings here. But as they leave us, we go, I don't necessarily know what to do. 
and, and we don't. We do and we don't. But the earth, I would say, stepped in to allow the, the rock to have us be remembered so that we could find our way for what the trees were unable to transmit adequately to us. So the trees are with us, but we're having to kind of do it together like siblings. The trees and the people together doing this. The plants and the people together. And then of course including the animals. But the, but the, the firmament of the earth came forward to be that strength. It has its own destiny. It would be considered by many native people that the water, the earth, the fire, the atmosphere are alive themselves, part of the body of the creator. And so the earth itself has presented itself. It has its own destiny. It doesn't want to be destroyed and manipulated by us to not have the destiny it's meant to have. Therefore, it has asserted itself as being directionally stronger than our own will when our will isn't aligned. So you could say that the earth, the stones, have stated, we remember Daganawita, remember mankind, we have the good mind. See? When I couldn't put together, how could we do this? Because mankind is... Uh, Willingly doing this and not doing this. I go, how do we compose a way in which this can be done? I did this over almost a year ago. I just, you know, because mankind just kept getting up and kind of falling. And then it would partly do the work and then not. It, was, it came forward from the earth. It came forward from the dimension of what you're, some of you are holding in your hand now. Oh, in the stones is that. And in me. So the earth remembers the footsteps of the peacemaker and Hiawatha walking the terrain, courageously facing this person who had killed all of Hiawatha's family, inviting the Tadadaho, we want you to come in and we want you to be the one who tends the fires as the chiefs are chosen. Therefore, he was given the power to be the synchronous wheel around the circle of all the chiefs. Although he himself isn't a chief. He's more the link. Why did he fall to power? Maybe because he never could know who he was. So in any of yourselves where you go, I can't find my own identity. I just don't feel self-worth. I don't know what's wrong with me. I go, a lot of that is just you're not a singular chief. You have a composite in you that's part of the loom, part of the, part of the loom on which God weaves, part of that which moves and heals and supports. And you go, oh, then I could turn that to we of the good mind. Then when you say all my relations, I'm a Takwiasin, which is more of a Plains Indian phrase, but all my relations, you're turning to the sense of I am related to the peacemaker I'm related to Jakunsase, the woman. I'm related to the Tadadaho. I'm related to Hiawatha, the one who translates because we couldn't have understood Daganawita's speech impediment. I have the gifts and challenges of all of them. So I'm partly the singular human being I am. We have the good mind. 
I'm partly also the challenges in each of those beings and the challenges within myself. And when that moves through the council of the human race, I have the humility that the good mind comes into the younger people and they go beyond me. And then you are answered by the mystery in something that fulfills you. See, most of the time we're looking, well, who am I or what in me has value? I go, well, it's really the movement of the tribe. And then you're given sort of a bouquet of flowers. Here's the movement of the tribe. Oh, and this is who you are. And then people think, what happened to you? And you'll think, I don't know how to explain it. Oh, it's just nobody was there. I thought it was. And you'll realize, wow, it was in there like a breeze of the wind, and then it was gone. Right? There's this quality. Oh, it's of the civilization of the world and the great peace. Uh, we of the good mind. Oh, I have a glimpse of my own value. And then it's gone. So I'm part of the whole bouquet of all of it. See, it's this beautiful quality. And then you're, you're suspended. So an example would be, we're speaking of Daganawita maybe a thousand years after he was born. And then if scholars want to argue about it, I go, okay, a thousand years, 900 years, 842 years, 1127 years, 580 years. See, they'll go, well, was he born here? I'm like, when were you born? This is when I was born. Are we both going to study Daganawita? We have the good mind. Well, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to write a paper and get my master's degree. I go, well, you could do both. We could do both. We don't have to. And then we are in a suspended sense of coming from history toward the future, and this mystery is moving through us. And we try to grasp it because we think if we grasp part of it, I won't die. I'll grasp part of it and I'll, I'll kind of know who I am or I'll, I'll know what I'm doing, I'll know where I'm going. What occurs in that is we want to be remembered and we want to go on to a place that has value. So our fear is that we won't be remembered, Disney, and most of us won't be remembered and most of what is remembered is turned into a story that's partially true and partially not. Right? So if someone tells a story about my grandmother, I'll hear it and say, well, actually that happened when she was visiting there and not when she was over here. Mm -hmm. But it's the story as it brings the heaven and earth together that's the important part. So that's the important part of you. The part that brings heaven and earth together is the important part of you. And then you'll think, well, it's not that big of a deal. I won't, I won't be there at some time. And I go, that's right. But the thread that you leave behind will be eternal. Okay? The thread of who you have been in that quality between heaven and earth is eternal. That's your signature. That's who you are. And then what you've come from and where you go on, if people believe in reincarnation into another incarnation, back into the heavens, how you go on will also just be a blessing. There's no need to argue over it. There's no need to seek something. 
you're going on into the space of that dimension. And then people might think, well, what value do you have? What, what importance is it? I go, it'll be in the rocks. It'll be in the mountains. It'll be in the seas, the flower beds. And then you'll realize, I've always known that. I just wanted to be recognized here in my, in my body, in my mind, in my heart. And you only are recognized when it becomes we of the good mind. See that only when the transmission is happening are you actually sort of recognized. And then you realize, but I'm so vulnerable. I, I, I don't have control over my conception, my birth, my life, my death. I go, well, you and the divine are doing this together. This is the part of you that's meeting the creator. And you don't want to be afraid of that. You want to allow that to happen. It, it will scare other people or they won't know what to think of you until they become comfortable with you. And then they realize that you're not going to hurt them. You're just not going to forget the creator in them and yourself, in their, in their families, in their relationships, and yourself. And then you realize, why, why weren't we taught this in Mary Young? We were just afraid somehow. Yeah. So I think that the shifting from the trees to the rocks is a huge one for humanity. We've identified ourselves as um, sort of more self-important than other creatures. So we tend to justify uh, this is my home or I have this many clothes or this many books or and then someone will say I'm trading all my books to the library or half-price books or giving them to the children or all the things all of us do to take care of that. And then someone will go, but I want a new house with four bathrooms, or I want, I want to go on you know, six vacations, not just one, or whatever the things are we decide. And so we just keep thinking more, 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 more. And we know that there's a balance that we're supposed to be paying attention to. We're sort of like a misbehaving child. Can I stay up later? Can't I have a snack? Two more stories. Another hour, please. So we're doing that to the earth. And finally, in this last couple of year, years, the earth has said no more. And I would say this year is the first year when it has become evident to mankind, oh, we can't do it this way. It's like it's really saying no. And the main place it's saying no is through, through storms and things, but particularly through the forests and plants and the relationship with water. So always humanity has had the, the trees be willing. I'm going to say they're not willing to go with us. So then this is where the stones come in. You go, well, they're an adequate teacher for how strong our ego personalities are. And then the trees can be with us, but our, our attention is directed differently. So it may take you a few months to feel your movement of what it is to have that firmament of mountain or glacial moraine of lake and valley instead of your trees and gardens. And um, to note a difference in people is they become more grounded but also more 
capable in his quality of the great peace. And then again, you'll feel this sense of some of the great elders from tribes all over the world who have been given the authority to address this. So this will be going on all over the world. I had very deep experiences of, of Kreda Mutwa, who, who Blaine met years ago, uh, this great soul from South, South Africa. And um, he was just, it was just so majestic, his place beside all that we're talking about today. He just died a couple of years ago. I think he was in his, in his late 90s. But his profound understanding of creation and humanity was so great. And then as all this is moving into place, he's one of the souls who was given a great deal of authority as an intermediary person between heaven and earth. So you're going to feel different people who are helping in this regard from throughout history and throughout the various tribes of the world. And then just find the way within yourself that you grieve where you weren't taught that capacity, we of the good mind, but where you were taught uh, more a personal seeking or um, a kind of a more mental competitive thinking that's so trained in our educational systems. And be aware of forgiving yourself for places where you couldn't convince enough of mankind to go in an adequate direction. We were just so intoxicated by our own self-importance. And I will say people knew better, but we willingly fell anyway. It's a very interesting global collective uh, action. Not everyone did, but on some level, the human race really went too far with its um, demands or its greed. And then the place in people which needs to choose virtue, I think that we went too far to our idea of the austerity of the Buddha or the crucifixion of Jesus or areas of um, sort of letting them caretake our shadow instead of realizing why don't we celebrate the Buddha sitting out on a summer morning with the monks teaching and then eating a bowl of fruit? Or why don't we teach about Jesus in a fulfillment and allow ourselves to realize that, well, we would have to be responsible beside them. See, we have the good mind. And maybe we needed people to tell us we were ready for that. So I'm saying that I've been shown by many of my mentors, we're ready for that. We have to do that now. It's time for the human race. The plants are screaming at us. The oceans and lakes are screaming at us. It's past time, but it's so it's time. So forgive yourselves for any place where you were off balance or off your path. In terms of forgiving other people, we'll do aspects of the condolence ceremony tomorrow um, very simply and beautifully and um, we'll go into it a little bit this afternoon and that offers a quality of prayer going out comforting rather than blaming and forgiving we offer comfort for the suffering people we're going through 
that made them choose those choices. Someone would feel, I don't have enough love in my life, therefore I need this. They were not correct in what they were choosing, but they, they did not know how to ask for the condolence and comforting they needed. So they turned it to the material plane or their anxiety that they would never know heaven. And so we became very accustomed to a cumbersome relationship with consciousness. So we'll, we'll work with that with the condolence ceremony. And then you can forgive people, but more importantly, allow yourself to say, may the good mind, may the creator and the good mind offer you comfort and may it offer me comfort. Now how do we go toward this good mind of the great peace together? And then the elements of the great peace will have simply so many virtues. I don't want to go into a whole theology of it because I think that would just make it another belief system. It's more the quality of uh, just the virtuous alignment of yourself with the duties that are part of your your gender, part of your age, part of your place in society with what you do and don't know. And then, more importantly, letting the mystery of the great peace simply move through you as consciousness. And then you'll realize, how did I not know I was this instrument of the sacred in such a way? This is very ordinary, and yet it's universal. And then in that, not only are we equal in dignity, we are equal in the great peace. We are equal in that quality. So the clan mothers would sit together and pick a son to be the next chief. Right? So Leah or Kate or Sarla or Alice would be equal, I would say. And Kelly, what do you think? And so then we might turn and someone might say, my nephew, you know, he would be so excellent. So everyone would ask, we don't really know him. No, he's a farmer. He's so quiet in his life. Why don't we bring him and have him talk to the women? And then the young man might say, well, I like my private life, but I see that all the women are calling me forward to be this leader. It is my time. And then we would see, does the great peace move through him in this way? Apparently so, and we'd realize, well, we are so surprised. He is the one who's to be the chief. And it doesn't become my son, no my son, no your son, no your brother, no your... It becomes a quality of where is the answer among us? And then that's the global civilization. So I think most of our world leaders have been competing over almost who rules over the material plane and the bank accounts and decisions of sort of power over others. And it's because we're at a time where that's not effectively working. It's a different answer that's trying to come forward in a manner in which it appears we haven't done it before. I go, well, we have done it in this form. Another area of the world that has done this to some extent would be uh, the Republic of uh, Iceland. And uh, they just celebrated a thousand years of democracy last year. So they have a strong functionality of very similar principles to the Iroquois Confederacy. And so those capacities are resilient enough in these groups to be the 
the language for consciousness for the human race. What's the religion? The virtuous respect from any tribe in the world. What's the language of it? The metaphor of the, the good mind, we. You realize, oh, the two leaders together. Oh, the three people together. So, and then I will give an example and then we can take a break. The, the, the nature of how it's working in someone who's falling down. Let's take, I'll take President Putin in Russia. If he's holding a position of power and some people are wishing for Russia to acquire certain pieces of land where many people are speaking Russian and see some people are wishing the Russians would step back and not do this and uh, hoping that he will go away or be conquered or killed or another leader will step in. It's really, what will he do now to take care of a child he's killed today? So he can't get away from that, the goodness of helping the child. See, he's the, he's the fire keeper. He doesn't want to be. He's not really being given a choice about that. And then if he goes forward and China wants to see, well, if they take over land, we could take over land too. I go, you could. But then you're the one who killed the child. Nothing. No, I didn't. I go, but you did. See, they, they can't get away from the evil. I mean, if they think, well, America is not the best country either, I go, no. But I'm willing to tend the fire of the child who died today. See, and we don't turn away from the fire keeper. Then the leaders of the world can't turn away from the great peace. There's nowhere for them to go. And then people in their middle years are holding the world leaders responsible as a bridge between a history of warfare and power through uh, argument and acquisition and a, a bridge toward a more collaborative capacity. And the younger people are aware of that capacity. They get it. They need us to be a bridge where we stand down the world leaders who are fighting by making them tend their karma. And then 24 hours a day, Putin has all these souls around him. He can't stand it. He's a very devout Orthodox. He's also a, a communist socialist leader, but he's also very devoted to God. I go, well, great, there you, this is your assignment. And then he thinks, I, I didn't want that. I just wanted the land. I go, no, you didn't. You wanted the kids that lived on the land. This is your karma. We're going to deal with it right now. And so he, he can't go away from the ghosts. Right? Neither can Premier Xi. Shame on them both. But you have enough grain. You have enough money. Mm -hmm. What about that child? What about this child? So as a clan mother, I am standing up to the men. See, their, their weapons of warfare could kill me, it's just they're never going to get rid of me. They're like, what do we do? I go, well, you better listen to me. Because someone else will take up the clarion call if I'm not alive. And then they're like, well, I, I don't want to be that person. I go, but you are that person. And then there's a flicker, and I go, we have the good mind. Vladimir Putin, 
And he realizes, oh, but I wanted to be great. I go, then get up and begin the journey to have at least Russia be great. And your grandson or someone else's granddaughter. And then he doesn't know what to do. But he is beginning to be transformed. And not just him, but another leader. And then if someone goes, but I, I need more money for weapons, I go, well, I'd also like there to be food for a homeless child in America, or one of my godchildren, please. And your nation, and your nation. So it, it isn't this turbulence of the duality. So when you go through these challenges politically or socially or religiously, stay with traditions that you have, but hold people that they are to do their homework to fully come into the era into which, excuse me, into which all of us were born, equal in dignity. And then your freedom is in the glorious, illustrious sense of your path. Oh, I'm alive at a time when all these beings are on the earth, Jesus, the Buddha, the Ganawita, there are about four to 5,000 of these souls. The being Merlin is here on the earth. Another child was just born, King Ashoka uh, from India. He was a great Buddhist uh, king from a long, long time ago. He was just a little boy born in England. Uh, on, the, on the eve, as the moon came forward at, at Id at the end of Ramadan this year, this little boy was born. A cesarean was scheduled for him like the next day or two days later, and nope, he came in on the, on, for his family, who were Muslim Sufis, the most blessed day of the year. Here came their little boy. Sort of a, a somewhat miraculous birth in terms of the health and ability of the family to have a child at the age they are and the capacity. It's just one of these glorious blossoms of heaven, right? So there's a little girl and now a little boy. When several years ago it would have seemed, how could there possibly be a child in that family? There are too. So what will happen to the pillars of Ashoka? The pillars in India still stand, these, these pillars of peace that he had constructed there uh, long, long ago. So what will he do along with Merlin and Daganawita and Jesus and this child and this child? Right? So, so my two grandmothers within 40 miles of us voted in 1920. Native American women couldn't vote until I don't know what year long after that. See, even though the right to vote for my grandmothers came through the power and status of the Native American women of the area, but they couldn't vote, but my grandmothers could. So we sit here speaking in honor of all of those women and all of those men. And then if we can live of the good mind, then all these children saints, sages, and all of the other children on the earth form this civilization where known or unknown publicly, they still form a capacity of one world, many tribes, enormous numbers of individuals, and yet a remarkable time, which Daganawita spoke of a thousand years ago, which is now. So ask for protection in the heart and soul. Ask for your highest path, your deepest path, your truest path, for that of all of humanity, all of creation.
and then let's take a break for about half an hour and we'll come back. This is a song about Jacuncise, the, the woman who recognized the peacemaker. Her home is about 40 miles behind me, the place where she was from and is buried. Thank you. 